going to roll into this. We've got a, a couple of hard stops here with our panelists. So I'm going to, I'm Kevin Brooks again, you all know who I am. So I'm not going to belabor that point. Great conversation so far. Uh, these gentlemen have asked good questions of us. So now we get to ask some questions of them, which is great. We get to listen. And that's, uh, that's really what we're here for to understand the needs of our customers and, and the government. So uh, I'm going to just say your name and let you introduce your thing. So Pete, what's all you? Yeah, uh, I do have sticks. Sticks cheap, Peter Chu. I, um, I'm a re reservist, and I think I'm a, kind of an odd duck uh, unicorn because I'm a cloud solutions architect for Microsoft and uh, happens to have a rank of a colonel in the reserves. And I saw a need that they need colonels like me more in the Air Force. So uh, when the ABMS thing came on, and um, I said, uh, they said it's to connect sensors to shooters. And I said, over oh, one network. And so that's what started this whole chain of events of me coming on active duty and uh, trying to modernize the uh, Air Force network. And not just the Air Force network, the DOD network. It needs to happen. Otherwise, um, what we'll end up doing is all speaking, learning to speak Mandarin. I can help you with that too if you want. But uh, I don't want to do that. Instead, I'd rather do the other. And so uh, this concept of network modernization uh, came into fruition uh, through the IWN effort. And uh, thanks to Lauren Knausenberger, uh, I should say, I should say President's name first, President Dunlap, and Lauren Knausenberger, um, because of the support and giving me a lot of uh, rope to hang myself with. And I don't, I'm constrained by the processes. I don't know anything, so I make a lot of mistakes. And uh, people like him will correct me when I'm off base. And that's how come we're able to do this so quickly. We started back in August. Uh, Frank Hudson, a technology officer, data officer, Alpaca, uh, about two years. So I think the big things that we um, experienced coming out here was one, just getting the ship balanced a little bit. There was a lot of things we were doing that were great. They were internal to uh, PACAF. Uh, the team virtualized out the network, did a few other um, leading edge things across the enterprise that uh, not necessarily Air Force was helping us with, which was awesome. But then you look at it from a sustainment model. It, uh, who pays those bills? So now you're sitting here, you furring those uh, initiatives. So uh, took about six months to get that ship right. We're still waiting to see how it plays out. Uh, but re reality is, is we're skipping. Yeah, I'd say well, we're skipping pretty much a generation of hardware and other or more or more uh, with some of the initiatives we have today. So. I'm uh, running most of the uh, minimal viable products that we have right now across PACAF. So. Uh, Cloud native access points, which will bypass our base boundaries, give us about 10 gig instead of the one gig we have going in, doing this at the IL-6 level. Uh, all of our hybrid data centers that we're going to be putting in place, working with DISA to actually bring that together. And then we should get our first instantiation of two of the five big data platforms for Air Force out here uh, within the next three months, which would be uh, your unified data library, which is with Space, uh, Elixir, and then we're bringing in the... Uh, a2, because I think the A2 piece is the, the J2 piece is the bigger piece of it, uh, especially with our fifth gen aircraft. But uh, bottom line is uh, there'll be an opportunity to do uh, secret and below for our foreign partners and mission partners as we build this out. And then we, I got to go above and beyond in the uh, cross domain layouts for our hybrid data centers because um, you're disconnected at home. Uh, as we laid this out, we had to figure out what happens when you go into a agile combat employment layout for um, hub and spoke. And I lose that main base, say at Guam. Um, and so I, there has to be some bare metal still there to be able to operate in that environment. And so uh, 
The last piece we're doing today, and I'm doing with this guy, is the Valiant Shield 22 effort, which is our secure vector routing layout, uh, which basically no tunnels. Everything comes in and goes out. And uh, we'll finish up the uh, first fully virtualized CFSC stack for the uh, Air Force and have it documented for an enterprise here in the next two months. It's set in NSA right now. So that's the big topic. Did I hit everything? I think so. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so uh, just by way of introduction, uh, Dave McDonald, um, Department of the Navy civilian. I'm, uh, current uh, role is I'm the CIO and Plans and Programs Director for the Navy Computer and Telecommunications Area Master Station up in the center of the island. Uh, we operate, maintain, maneuver, defend, and uh, hopefully in crisis would be able to reconstitute the entire Navy network enterprise. So we have organizations, people, systems, and capacity that reaches all the way to the Indian Ocean, west coast of the US, all the way back to Pax River, up to the northwest, and down to the west coast of Australia, and a lot of capacity here. So we run Navy networks, we run uh, joint and national MIL SATCOM services, uh, nuclear command and control um, from uh, you know from RF transport up through messaging and uh, and um, you know, information management. Um, so big enterprise uh, covers well more than half of the Earth's surface. Um, huge uh, capital investment in systems, facilities, infrastructure, people, and an operate, operating and maintenance budget well north of uh, 200 million to 300 million. We cash flow way too much of that. That's why I have so much silver hair. Um, just quickly, again, by way of intro, so 34 years in uniform, both active and reserve, retired uh, cryptologist, a couple of command tours over the years, um, uh, submarine special operations, national technical means, space systems, uh, and uh, you know global SIGINT systems for NSA, a bunch of intelligence community work. So I kind of came back to my roots in the Navy uh, as a civilian. So that's what I do up at Wahiwa. If any of you ever get out here with a little time to spare, hit me up. Come on up for a, a, a visit. We'll roundtable and we'll solve world hunger at the whiteboard. Sounds <laughs> good. Hey, sir. I'm a little bit of the true unicorn, I think, on this panel here in the room. So I build uh, networks as well, but they're uh, networks of processes and organizations. So I'm the chief of manpower for uh, Indo-Pacific Command uh, in the J-1. Uh, so do uh, manpower is essentially we measure work through the processes uh, and it equals like what is the, the the number and types of humans it takes to do work. And so it's really exciting to hear uh, the workflow is which essentially is a optimizing utilization of our, our workforce so we can have the organizations that are designed uh, to support the, the decision support of that organization. That's what the, you know, the ecosystem of the organization really uh, excites me to hear what we're doing to modernize that. And that's what led us uh, in our area to, to kind of come to, to service now uh, to look at the HR service delivery uh, module. Uh, and at the same time, we had our J6 who was looking at uh, ways to uh, replace their IT ticket management system uh, and they were in the discovery phase of whether or not ServiceNow was um, uh, their uh, uh, platform of choice and so uh, luckily we, we ran into Steve for that process and uh, that's where you know inside our organization we were having the dialogue of, of, of why this could be beneficial so uh, of the two entities in our command who likely has the, the biggest uh, 
the most black eyes uh, uh, from our customers is our, our folks who work IT ticket management and those who are trying to fill vacancies or manage the uh, demands of a, a shark at the end of the table who wears four stars, who wants uh, the, the organization to feed him as fast as possible to make the decisions necessary for a very large domain with all the services uh, unifying that. So we kind of found uh, some, some strange bedfellows there with our J6 partners and, and really uh, catapulting both of the efforts where the command is going through a, a transformation of both the IT ticket management as well as uh, right now it is to recruit to fill a uh, process for our civilian workforce. As a joint headquarters, I am an Air Force officer. Uh, we are uh, supported by the Department of Navy, sir. Thank you. Uh, and so, uh, in that regard, our civilians uh, have our Department of Navy civilians, and we work within the Navy's process to fill them. Uh, you would think that process is uh, extremely optimized, and uh, you know where people are. We know who we need, when we need them, and that they uh, show up on day one, ready to go. And since I'm a manpower uh, analyst uh, by trade measure work um, to get our leadership to approve for us to invest what I was able to showcase a small uh, ROI uh, for this effort, how to measure how much time it took for us to be able to onboard new people. When was their actual productive date uh, beyond once they started work, which is around anywhere from 90 days to 125 days of all the ingredients they need, network access, um, uh, What's a parking spot if you're no six or above? You know, all, all these other things that have to be done to make sure you're very productive is in that range. And expectation is from a taxpayers, as uh, you mentioned, sir, is you're ready on day one. So how do we make you effective on day one? Uh, so that would be an onboarding, offboarding uh, workflow. We aren't there yet. Uh, we we are able to get the the leadership's eye of what is the loss of productivity from our um, highly uh, demand low. Uh, low density opportunity to, to bring in talent. So we need to optimize when they're used, utilized. And then from a, uh, we also were uh, trying to answer the question of where is, by my hiring manager, and I'm focused on uh, trying to fill my position, but also focused on giving the four star what they needed. Uh, where in the heck is my request to fill my position? And you go to all these different stakeholders to, to, to pull in what is that requirement. And there's no one entity that's really owning that process on behalf of that hiring manager. Uh, so that's why we went down the path to, to measure what is the time it takes to just tell a management official where their, where their action is and where uh, we are as a command. And it took 40 man hours for a team to be able to, to collect all that data to be able to say, this is the status of all of our actions that was probably two to three weeks old data and that's not acceptable in an environment where uh, our workforce is is, is utilizing consumer-based uh, products like I, uber to, to get to, to their work work site or to go to dinner on, on an open table they are used to that experience of being able to know how to inject their requirements how can they track that and so our boss uh, essentially from a uh, personnel perspective is give me the pizza tracker of what it takes to go from the time that an impending vacancy has been uh, known or anticipated uh, until we work through all that wickets to bring a person uh, on board. Uh, a lot more to do. Uh, we are, uh, uh, again, because we are in Rome, uh, we have the same uh, platform with our employee service center, with our IT uh, ticket management team. So we're, we're 
going through a process of, of shared uh, execution here, uh, and we're at the phase of, of understanding what we now see as a data maturity to have more of a, a common data model uh, of the future uh, as our next phase. Um, so any questions, sir? Uh, where is like beverage of choice in that tracker for 06 and above? <laughs> Just want to make sure that's it. it's in the back end. Sorry. <laughs> Parking and beverage of choice will be for day one, then you'll get it. Pass on the other stuff for a while. Okay, sorry. Thanks. I digress. Uh, I'm going to repeat for a second. I know you've got to go sooner than later. So I'm going to ask you uh, give me your number one digital transformation problem and what you're doing to solve that. Well, uh, for me, it's uh, the networking piece. Um, and uh, a good idea um, will always die. Um, and it's not, it's not the idea itself. It, I think it's an institutional um, way of thinking and driven by processes, like I described earlier with you know, ServiceNow and changing automation. And I think I want to reference um, Satya Nadella. <laughs> He's a CEO of uh, Microsoft. He wrote a book called Hit Refresh. And in it, he talks about um gotta have a growth mindset we have to be willing to hear new ideas and not be necessarily set in our own ways but really working in a collab collaborative manner and the only way i think um uh that could be done is by really working with coalition of a world of people who uh, are willing to listen to you and to think innovatively also but the biggest problem right now i say is the networking piece of it. We run JAT C2. Navy is doing their own JAT C2. Air Force is doing their ABMS. Army is doing their convergence. But we now started talking about the network. And so I think um, that's why I asked Jeff Broom to give me a spot this week so I can talk about what we're doing to get more exposure and to start these conversations. And I think we're cracking that nut a little bit. And hopefully we can crack that none further because our country needs it, right? Uh, we need to uh, preserve this republic because um, otherwise we'll lose it. Thanks. All right. <laughs> Same question. Uh, yeah, just, <laughs> just one? You probably have 12, right? <laughs> <laughs> I do. So the network. Yeah, I just say network. <laughs> so so there's, I, I bucket these things. And so the three things we bucket in right now are uh, transports, data, uh, sub the data is our hybrid cloud layouts and our data fabric two different things um even though they complement each other and then the last last piece is the uh virtualization networking piece uh so really it's those three categories I, we have something going on in all three of those categories uh and when i say we uh chief architecture's office and we have it at the enterprise level uh with saf cn saf co uh, I agree with uh, Pete. It's a coalition of the willing right now. We've learned to minimize the amount of people to come to meetings um, just so we can move forward. And then a lot of the things that we do are forcing functions because uh, there's still a lot of folks that don't understand the agile way of doing business. And uh, when you look at the DevSecOps piece and what we're trying to do with the Iron Banks and things that we were doing with Platform One and trying to just get standardized code out there so that you didn't have, it was not a rinse and repeat and you could just quickly go through the process. Um, so you don't have to just continue to start from square one. Um, I think we've made some advancements in the software piece of it. As we go to a software-defined network, we're going to recognize how important that software piece is and how important the uh, Iron Bank piece of that is as far as 
keeping a standardized catalog with that software and applications and the process is easy to bring up apps on and off the network. Uh, you mentioned 5G earlier. We're working through um, fifth gen aircraft right now with the predictive maintenance that'll come out here hopefully around August, September, August. I uh, see November, December timeframe. We should start seeing something from that. Uh, concerns with 5G right now as I look at the uh, what we're being offered uh, in a transport world of what I would have to take with me to a hub and spoke, and I'm not taking a trailer and a big system forward to some small remote location. I, I got and then you have to worry about your other countries in reference to your uh, frequencies, interruptions, and things of that nature. Um, but I'll offer this, what we're doing for th these guys with the Valiant Shield piece, I think is game changer. Uh, but we got to get folks to think more along the lines of the min minimal viable products and not so much that, hey, I have to have it 100% complete and think sustainability on the back end because the minimal viable product just gets me to a decision point of do I scale it, do I turn a little differently, maybe to two o'clock versus nine o'clock, or do I just get rid of it in general? Um, but our programmatic standpoint, we were never set up to uh, it's, I don't think I had this discussion earlier. I don't believe it's a congressional issue. I believe it is a, it's a programmatic old way of doing business of where we don't put dollars out there to be able to do these minimal viable products or to learn um, these things. We just look at sustaining programs. Um, so we've been fighting tooth and nail to get those dollars. And I think we've done a pretty good job. They're coming through in 22, 23 and 24. Um, if all goes well, it's like we're pretty good. But uh, going back to what he's trying to do and what we're trying to do, and I'll finish with this. Uh, there are a lot of companies out there we've been embedded with for 25 years, and there's a lot of companies out there to do things their way. Uh, what we're asking right now is, is we're, we're, we're taking a leap of faith on a couple other different directions. Secure vector routing is one of those. Uh, secure vector routing is uh, not proprietary, it's open, open source, and we are going to see where we can go with it. Uh, it doesn't mean it's going to be right or wrong. It just means we're going to test this thing in Valiant Shield. But I can tell you this, when I'm able to bond six LTE SIM cards for that country and use that country's network, it makes a difference. When I'm able to bring in a Starlink or bring in a WGS and, you're, it's, and the system is itself picking its best direction to go. So I will leave with this. We have a big decision to make in the Air Force in July, August timeframe of which SD-WAN solution we're going to pick. We're working with DISA uh, to, to go through some of this, but there is usually, there's three of them out there right now, uh, and I'll leave it at that, but we have to make a choice on where we want to go. Tell me I'll partner with <laughs> <laughs> um, With that, that, that is our biggest effort and what we're looking to get accomplished here in the summer. The area I think we neglect the, the most, and I, and I had a discussion uh, with uh, DISA a little bit this week on it, is the uh, Oconus hybrid cloud infrastructure. Because if these guys on the Navy side, Marine Corps, wherever, we start putting all these little outposts all over the place, then it becomes the wild, wild west, and then none of it ever talks or connects, and you never get to the JADC2 that we're trying to get to. So somebody's got to bring that in. I also think you have to be able to bring it in but still diversify it and make it a problem for the enemy when it comes in reference to um, if I take out this base, I still have it over here. So we got to think through that process. And that's not a component issue. That's a DOD issue. Yep. So that's our where I'm at, I think, is the biggest issue we have to get through now. Go ahead. Sure. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's perfect. And, and I'd like to um, kind of launch off of that platform just a little bit and I'll uh, 
hopefully cleverly work my way into something that this audience, the ServiceNow team, will be very interested in. And it's really the it's the the DDL briefing and so forth, and it's the, the the macro orchestration ecosystem issues. So let me let me work in the side door of that. From a Navy and a larger you know, um, DOD team perspective, and also a coalition perspective, you know some some bullets. Resilience at massive scale, diversity at massive scale. Capacity for reconstitution at uh, at um, required scale and affordable scale, right? We can't gold plate that, but we got to have it. Uh, how many former military folks in the room, right? In the SIGINT business, we used to have the notion of wartime reserve, wartime reserve modes in a different context, right? So, so in war fighting command and control capabilities. You know, the notion is in a fast escalating near peer or peer fight, you can expect based on adversary doctrine, adversary capabilities, you know, counter C2, counter space, counter ISR, all the, all the things that they're creating to level the battle space early in the campaign. The question becomes, you know, your, your resilient, diverse, um, exquisite, C2 architecture will not survive first contact with the enemy. So the question becomes early in, you know, sort of sort of phase zero plus or into phase one of that sort of nasty campaign, what else do you have? And here's the other thing as a backdrop to that, right? With every passing year, and it's going so fast, it's really every passing couple months. As Elon Musk is launching, you know, 60, uh, you know, 60, you know, Leo satellites per per sled, you know, and reusing the rockets, and you know, so you have this this exponentially expanding capacity of resilient transport. So I love your briefing on DDL, but the thing that that we care about in our world is surrendering. To DDL or disconnected too early is tantamount to you know seeding the fight early. We don't want DDL. We don't even we don't want thin line. We don't want DDL. And the only time we want to disconnect is when it's advantageous to us, right? So we're entering a period of years here where it is entirely feasible, entirely feasible to have resilience, diversity, reconstitution, and maneuver at scale. Here's the million dollar question for and for you guys and, and, and for the industry, the DOD and industry community is how in the hell are you going to orchestrate all that? In a comprehensive global enterprise, you know, fast fight, and it gets into very esoteric ideas like um, link optimization, deceptive link management. Rapid reconstitution derived from from event situational awareness, threat situational awareness, right? That rapid maneuver. Imagine a world where you've got thirty thousand commercial Leos, about four thousand um, Mios, uh, a handful of commercial Geos, the legacy mill satcom, you know, wideband, narrowband, protected uh, space infrastructure. You've got five G platforms all over the planet. This is deployed commercial Ethernet gateway, you know, 100 gig or better all over the planet. Uh, you have tactical comm suites on the move, and then you have this sensor to shooter JADC2 sort of thing. 
and consider the permutations of orchestration that you have to be able to handle in that kind of a, an architecture in a fast fight where the adversary gets a vote. Right, so I'll bring this kind of back home to the main thing. The, 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 and, and, you know, it's funny, you get in front of a lot of flag and general officers and you start going deep on, on things like out-of-band network operations support systems and you just watch them glaze over. You watch them shut down. What the hell are you talking about? Right, so, but key to operating this kind of a complex uh, architecture at scale in that kind of a fast, iterative, maneuverable, responsive, adaptive kind of uh, concept of operations is agile orchestration. And it's going to be data-driven, it's going to be comprehensive, it'll be derived from API and data standards, uh, and we got to make sure our warfighters know how to use it, right, in that kind of a fight. You know, so so think wartime reserve re reconstitution on the fly in runtime where the adversary is coming at you from every direction, kinetic, non-kinetic, they're coming after your cable heads, coming after your ground terminals, coming after your spacecraft, cyber uh, attacks. They're, they might be coming after your crews, right? Your people, your facilities. You know, a bad day for me up at Nick Temp's pack is a, a couple of hypersonic missiles slamming into the knock. And a couple more slamming into the Millsatcom gateway right right up the road from it. Uh, and meanwhile, you know, infiltrators are taking out cable heads around the island and over on Guam and, and back in California, right? And the question that, that we get asked by the warfighters is, what else do you have? And can you provision it that quick? And have you exercised it and trained it and, and, and uh, you know, configured it and patched it? Is it, is it? is it readily available as a reconstitution framework? So this is the value proposition, you know, to talk to up at the Doden level and say, hey, how are you readying for war? You know, in relative peacetime, we're laying pretty flat. It's expensive. It's inefficient in many ways. We got a lot of stupid old 30-year-old processes that we use. But in peacetime, we're actually laying pretty flat. You know, 10 years ago, I, I couldn't get, you know, an 8 meg, megabit shot to a big, a big deck, a carrier. Now we're routinely provisioning, you know, 20, 30 megabits and more via the legacy systems we have. And that's, we haven't even started to provision, you know, proliferated LEO and MEO and a bunch of other stuff. But we're laying flat. We're operating and we're, we're fine. Don't quote me on that because, you know, everybody is looking at the future. But it's what do we do when we go to war? What are we ready to do when we go to war? And I'll tell you, a network operations support system is not boring to me in that context. And this is where you guys live, right? So, so build that business case, you know, build that briefing, put it in a DOD warfighting near peer or peer adversary warfighting context, and then put a price tag on it that we cannot look away from, that just sucks us in. Uh, you know, just just put the economy of scale on that package and brief it to the DOD CIO and the DOD ANS and the OSD RE and all the MILDEP CIOs and, and their acquisition, uh, you know, senior acquisition officials and put a price tag on it that we absolutely can't ignore. There you go. So what I heard Jim say was the network, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to start with Woody and wrap it up. <laughs> Actually, you did a great job. You answered the question, which is, King for a day, what would you want us in industry to do to help support you and the warfighter you support? 
So my, what I heard here is culture, helping us fight the culture that, that is, they we're talking about networks, I'm talking about how do I get folks who like to do things through analog means to digital, and then how do we you know, generate a culture that's either top down or a, an easy button to generate that consumer experience. So uh, I think investing on the front end of demonstration of, of some use cases that, that folks can relate to inside the, the organization so they don't perceive that they're having to create their own solution because this, our system is not fast enough to be able to, to demonstrate what uh, success looks like. So uh, to not have each of the individual uh, efforts happen by the different services as a joint headquarters, we're looking for integration. It's, it is to be the integrated deterrence against our adversary. Integrated, we just heard it, we're not integrated because we're already going down a path where we're not going to be able to talk to each other in conflict, which will be all the services coming together. And that is not a, a place and time where uh, we will be successful against our adversary. So in my mind, you know, helping us fight the culture uh, that I think is part of how we, we we pierce through that down to the individual level of how we execute our HR process uh, to see themselves in a digital environment, and then what does that look like as we keep going up the the supply chain, if you will, of uh, the network, uh, as as the Colonel had already mentioned. So, okay. thank Mark, you. Mark, question? Yeah, are you guys leveraging so like business process auditing or or have an automated AI function in business process improvement? Where you can look at those processes, see where they're hung, see where they're latent, and leverage AI to improve that. We just brought in a partner called Salonis that does this, um, and it does it really effectively. Yeah, so I'll take a, a swing at from a Navy perspective. For the last two years plus, maybe maybe two and a half years, the the Navy's attack strategy on this um, on, on the, the thing I just discussed is known as INOX. Somebody in the room's probably heard of that. Maybe you've had discussions with some of our PEOs about INOX, right? So that acronym, as much as you love acronyms, is Integrated Network Operations Command and Control System. So it's a vision, it's a stack of PowerPoint charts about that high, but it's also about two years worth of very expensive model-based systems engineering. The Navy made the investment in a, in a fairly rigorous MBSE effort where we went really quite deep on, on you know, pr process analysis, process design, aspirational process mapping, um, and then all the, the related MBSE kind of, you know, capabilities mapping and capabilities analysis. So we, we have, you know, probably $6 million worth of CETA contractor support for two years that went into about a thousand and a half page MBSE sort of stack. Yeah, exactly. You know, but the question is, so what do you do with that investment? Right, a whole a heap of learning by some really smart folks, uh, and a, and a way to present it to leadership that is pretty compelling. Um, and now it's time to bend metal, right? To go engage industry, and uh, and find you know off the shelf solutions that map seamlessly into that MBSE model, right? We don't want to invent this; we want to buy this. So, so you have a baseline now. Yes, sir. What you want to drive is that. Constant CMMI model. How do I? Right. And I think I remember a couple of years ago, probably having a conversation with a ServiceNow rep. I forget who it might have been, but it was probably at a conference, much like we just did, where I said, "Hey, get get yourself under the tent of Inox. You know, talk to at that time Manuel Hermosilla and Rob Wolborski out in San Diego and PMW 790 and PEO Digital, right? Ruth Young's and her staff." 
and start scratching out some business intelligence on Inox, um, you can still do that and then shape your presentation of some of your charts about overarching ecosystems. Um, and, uh, and, you know, bring that to the acquisition leadership and say, hey, you know, we're like the mother of all horizontal integrators. We know how this looks for similar class, you know, global IT and mobile network operator enterprises and other Fortune 100s and so forth. We know how to do this. We've got a track record and we've got technical reference models for building it and all the industry partners to do it. Um, you know, and shape it in the context of the Navy's vision for INOX. That will then expand to, you know, a Doden vision for, for enterprise operations support system across the Doden. So there you go. Okay, I'm gonna, one last question from Alex, and we're going to open the doors and we keep chatting offline all day, all night long. Alex, you have a question? Okay, so this goes back to your gentleman's uh, area of, you know, economies of scale and the network. Because to me, the way I look at it is the network starts everything else. Finance, right? Securities, uh, spec ops, all of these things, RMF on, you know, reform, all of those things rely on the network. HR service delivery, like all of those things are network layer. And PEO Digital, you know, one of my one of my clients has that economy of scale to do it for the Navy, at least, right? Now, where we're faced with the challenge is how do, and this is where my question comes into play. So I'm often trying to get the right hand to talk to the left hand and jump within the PEO, not alone, you know, let alone the PEO to Don CIO to Nywick Land to NAFC. How can we better work with our department? Our counterparts like you within the DOD who are champions for these types of change to actually adopt it, right? The, the, the economy of scale is there, at least for the Navy. The adoption is the bending of metal is low. And it's like, how do we get that from a few people had a great idea, a great vision, and the powers that be that actually control those, net, those networks are not meant to bend metal. So how do we with you to help that happen so that the whole DOD benefit? I'd um, love to share a book that I read by John Cotter called Leading Change. And he has eight principles in there that talks about you want to lead change, you have to do these things. And so you can ask a question, well, how long have you been on orders now? Well, a year and a half. When did you start IWM thing? Well, we had our first summit last August. And after eight months, and only eight months, we're not talking about potting for 23, 24, 25, for next and beyond. We're talking about uh, upgrading whole pack app uh, with this technology. We're talking about how we equip and extend beyond just land service terrestrial, but go to space, go to air, and to build this ubiquitous bike fabric. And that takes change. So that means it takes you guys in the private sector to collaborate with each other. And then finding change agents inside the DOD who are willing to work with you and talk with you. Um, otherwise, you know, uh, we all have the fill in the middle and continue to do things the way that they do it. Um, last week uh, at the Rocky Mountain Symposium, I delivered a briefing uh, on the NWM to uh, several industry partners. And Microsoft was there, PBS was there, and a number of others were there. And I told them, I want to see 
in a future conference like this, a booth where Microsoft and AWS are there sharing a booth. And last week, they finally got together. Microsoft and AWS met in Northern Virginia to talk about how they can do a joint demo to support warfighters. And I think we need more of that. Yesterday, I delivered a briefing there. Uh, Juniper was in there and Cisco was in there. And I said, I would love to see you guys in the same room doing the same thing. I don't know if that will happen. It's a big dream, right? Um, and I think uh, key to innovation is dreaming big and being an optimist and thinking all the possible and, I don't know, just keeping making mistakes. But I, I, I think, to your point, how you get DB to adopt this change. Follow Van Carter's advice and find those change agents who want to work with you. So, yeah, so I, I think you have those change agents that are starting to uh, percolate to the top right now, especially right. within the Air Force. I'm right. looking at the floor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got them all here. It's just up top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I think that's the question that you you have to ask. Well, I think the question you have to ask back to us, and and it was a good question that was asked by from Dell to us the other day, and. Uh, what is your problem? What is your use case? What are you trying to do? Is are you trying to get a ATO from the AOC here at Hickam out to the uh, what we an actual edge, which is the middle of nowhere, where I got a twelve ship for a runway with hardly anything on it, other than I'm landing some aircraft there. They're getting munitions and taking off and hitting again. Um, and, and if that's my problem set, and that's really what it is for us, and then how do I get those missiles on target? Uh, you you got to really start asking that question because I think we. Um, I can't speak for all of DOD, but I know we as the Air Force are getting better at defining what we're actually trying to solve and what is that problem that I'm trying to solve. Because a lot of people tell you, well, you know, hey, I, I need connectivity. Well, what do you need connectivity for? You know, um, so if you look at Assured C2, what does Assured C2 really mean for the Air Force when you start talking hub and spoke and agile combat employment? I, I can give you you know, we, we have three problem sets already where we say, here's what we're trying to solve and do. Uh, I, I need to get out to the edge. I need to be able to provide that 10 person command and control location at that, at that uh, I call it the spoke level where we're going to be providing until 22. Uh, they need to be able to uh, have, have command and control when the aircraft are coming in, have a side picture for if you, if you need to evacuate because something else is coming in at you. And, and then the, um, I just went blank on the last thing, but uh, uh, re reality is is uh, understanding munitions and what's coming in, what's coming out from a logistical standpoint. It's, it's a very simple process. Or how do I get the ATO to them for the most part? So, so if you get through those three things at the edge, that's our problem statement for the edge right there. And it goes back to everything we just said. What do you consider a network to be? Um, transports. A coop plan. What happens when the AOC gets taken out? <laughs> you know, uh, th there's a lot of things that fall in there. Uh, but to answer your question, I think we have to do a better job also of writing our statement of works because I, I will tell you that something I've seen over the past um, seven years, I'll say since 2015, is we have a habit in the government of, of, of hiring a bunch of people and bringing them in and saying, hey, and then at that end of the day, you're not delivering anything. You're just kind of fumbling through it. And I think we're, we've learned our lessons or we're starting to. There's a lot of folks that are learning our lessons now that if I want something done, I, I write that statement of work correctly and I go to the out to the uh, service now or to a company and said, hey, I need you to deliver X, Y, and Z. I, I don't care how you do it, just deliver it. And, and at the end of the day, that's what I'm asking for. Uh, because it, if you think about it, if you try to do this on your own internally right now in the government, it takes eight months for me to hire people. 
Okay, it's gonna take me another six months probably to even get them moving in the right direction. And then, and then, and then I'm now two years into it, three years into it, trying to deliver something that should have been delivered three years ago, and now the technology's old. Thank JRSS. I'll say it. Slightly different spin, <laughs> and maybe not something you want to hear, but it's pretty straightforward, right? Um, win contracts, win contracts, win contracts. Uh, let me let me elaborate a little bit. So with regard to change agents and small efforts, yeah, they will always be around. There will always be what, what I sometimes lovingly think of as fringe money, right? Cibber, Raider, JCTD, uh, Willif, right? There's all kinds of flavors of fringe money, small point solution, experimentation, pathfinders, risk reduction pilots, we do that. Right now, for example, there's, there's RDT and E money raining out of the heavens on 5G and a few other things. So good, go win those contracts, right? Pick up, pick up the, those, those small point solution products, uh, projects and use cases where you can, you can make a whole business out of that. Um, I, I might suggest to you that I think, you know, from the exposure I've had over a handful of years now on what ServiceNow brings to the table, your real value proposition is scale. I've, I've said it already, I'll say it again, where, where you really, really bring it to the table is scale. You can do all kinds of things with small projects and with um, change agents, you know, all over the DOD and you can make tons of money and have a lot of fun. But where you're really going to help us transform and really earn your money for what you bring to the table is scale, scale and more scale. So that comes back to my initial point. Win contracts, win the big ones. You know, figure out who the most credible integrators are, right? The usual suspicious characters, right? Those defense industrial based leaders, you know, that are going after the big stuff, right? And go forge those partners, get up under the under the hood with those designs and win those contracts. And that's how that's how we get to benefit from what you do and you get to benefit from uh, from serving our requirements. Win contracts, you know, be in the right places, get in the right business intelligence, and then do the industry industry partnerships necessary to position for those big efforts. Anyway, that's that you know, and, and you can get what you say, better be lucky than good. You do some of the small stuff, you know, the point solutions, you know, the, the little projects that have a beginning and an end. You can kind of make a name for yourself doing that stuff well. You know, here's some free business advice. Every single 5G prime. Right now, all 16 of them or whatever, if you haven't had a meeting with them, you should, right? Because there's more 5G money that's going to drop out of the sky that might be a tranche three, and everybody up at the senior leadership levels is talking about 5G at scale and fixed wireless access and so forth. There's going to be more money. What's the old phrase? You know, why do bank robbers rob banks? Because that's where the money is, right? So there's going to be 5G dollars, you know, bouncing all over the place. Uh, go make your name in some of those platforms, and then uh, you know all the service CIOs and the Don C or the DoD CIO are going to say, "Wow, we really need to look at these ServiceNow guys because they can, they're agile and they can do things, and they're ready to scale, and their whole business model is about scale." Let's get them in the room, and then go win the contracts. Thank you all. Great answer. Great question. Uh, like I said, um, we're going to open the doors in a minute for a. A little social, to hang out a little more, have some more conversations. Yes, sir. Let me leave you with two things because that that okay that makes sense. Uh, totally makes sense to look at where you can come in at. But I will tell you right now, moving forward in the next six months, 
DOD, Air Force, and services have to make a, a decision on SD-WAN solution. Get ahead in that game quickly. Yeah. Get ahead in the transport game. Yes, sir. Get ahead in the transport game quickly. Understand that I can't take uh, five or six different uh, satellite terminals out to a site. I need to be able to consolidate that. How do I get a modem from a software to service to give me Leo and Mio in the same? Maybe I have to change a feed horn out here or there, but how do I get Starlink, Space Developmental Agency, who's giving me Link 16 and KA off a Leo layout in one modem and one, one, one actual aperture on the ground? Because I can't put 16 of those out there. And, and, but I just think that way. But the SD WAN solution that we're we're moving towards in the next eight months is huge. How do you solve that? Right now, there's three companies out there that are delivering. They're going to deliver that. Every single one of them is proprietary, vendor based. Yeah, save one. How do you do it where it's not proprietary? Anybody hear a little a little bit about Coalition C2 this week? Show of hands, right? In some of the keynotes on the J6 panel. And imagine a world where you've got you know mission partner environment, right? Mission partner capabilities office fields this thing, right? And they think they're ready for anything. And then we go to war. You know, how do you relatively seamlessly, automatically, and transparently provision all manner of bilateral, multilateral sort of permutations of coalition yep. enclaves? Yep. How do you do that from a cloud a cloud native console, you know, through a control plane? Right. You think the MPCO is thinking about that? Well, maybe. I'm not sure I'd bet a paycheck on it. Right. So, so, so go brief them. You know, build, huh? Okay, good. Good. Let me ask a question. Are you guys doing anything with blockchain? Not yet. Not yet. Looked at it? Yes. Yeah. The uh, network of the commercial rotating uses a blockchain type of concept. Um, but it's not blockchain per se, but the concept. I don't know what, what that is. Oh, I would tell you, I'll say this though, the, the, from an SD-WAN standpoint, there's still an ICAM solution that we have to come up with out there too. Yeah, that too. So there's a DISA working initiative with Project Air Force Base right now. We're wanting to follow DISA solution. We're doing some testing right now, get involved in that, see where that's at. That will scale quickly. Uh, and I think that outcome solution is going to come around really fast. And then the next piece of that was, is, okay, now I have it at the enterprise level. How do I push that outcome solution to the edge in a disconnected environment where I'm at a base and I got to get locked in? So, so we're looking at it from the standpoint of the potential on a 5G platform to do a dynamic uh, transect and comsec, sort of polymorphic transect comsec maneuver, right? And as a trusted sort of agent, you would enable with blockchain. So it's, it's, uh, it's yeah. controlled, right? So we've had some briefings on that. There might be some money on the margins on uh, on the 5G platforms to give that a try, uh, but that that's kind of like a phase three sort of you know uh, nice to have bolt on you know let's let's go take a swing at that yeah. Did that leave out anything on initiatives? First of all, I think they're gonna open the door. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you very much.